What a privilege to be in the house of God tonight. Thankful for the blessings of the Lord. I want to direct you to the book of Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. Nehemiah chapter four. And I will, would like to read beginning with verse number six down through verse number 11. But uh, for the sake of time, we could read more, but I, I would not, I w- will not do that. But Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 6. The scripture said, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass. Interesting, I, I don't know that I've ever tied these two things together until I looked at them again. But notice that the work was only half done when all of this takes place. They had joined together the wall to the half thereof. For So it doesn't matter that they had a mind to work and all of that. They were halfway through and the scripture says, but it came to pass. Isn't it amazing? The enemy seems to always know when to show up. And it's, it's in that middle ground of life. It's when you are halfway to your destination. Uh, you can get lost. And it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Verse 10 said, And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. It's wore out. It is faint. It is gone as far as it can go so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And so we will pause there. You can read the rest of it, many wonderful things that are stated there. But I want to go back to verse number 6 and 7, remind you of where it all started. It started at that halfway point, and it was there that the enemy came in uh, and Not only the outward enemy came, but the inward enemy showed up, and that is your own flesh. And if you're not careful, it can do a number on you. I want to talk to you about discouragement and uh, how to overcome it. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Discouragement is the losing of heart or a desire or a motivation to continue to do what we have begun. 
The prefix dis, D-I-S, is a statement of lessening. It denotes a sense of failure in someone. It is the lessening of effort. It is the loosing of uh, the strings. And courage could be better translated heart. And so in just common everyday English, when we talk about being discouraged, we are really talking about losing heart. When, a, when the strength of our inner resolve has been depleted and we have done all that we think we can do, uh, what has been pushing us forward, our heart, our desire, our courage, when it begins to wane, we no longer are as engaged in our effort and we feel a sense of defeat and we call that discouragement. Discouragement is a universal problem. Nobody will live without facing it or tasting it at some time in your life. We would all like to think that we're immune to it and the reality is we are not. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how positive a thinker you are. There comes a moment and in time and in your life when you're going to feel wasted and you're going to feel that everything that you could do has gone out of you. Uh, and usually that comes when you're in the midst of something. It's, uh, it's easy to get started and... And then when we see the finish line, it's not hard to give it that little extra effort, but it's that mile in between that sometimes causes us trouble. I remember running the mile when I was in school and I thought uh, that first mile or that first lap around the track, you know, you're in the fresh enthusiasm of wanting to attain a goal and, and then, man, it it's just like a brick wall hits you and your legs become like rubber and your, your mind starts playing tricks on you and starts telling you things and your body begins to respond to what your mind is telling you. And then if you can keep going, if you can push your way through that, then there comes that last lap and, and you see the goal and it's not hard to finish, but it's that in-between time when we sometimes find ourselves battling things, spirits that we have no idea where they came from and what their source is. It's nothing more than the, 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 the simple fact of discouragement. It is one of the deadliest things that can happen to us if we are not careful and we know how to deal with it. And everybody at some point or another is going to be discouraged. One thing I have learned is that if I am not careful, I listen to the wrong voices and the wrong voices in my life, speaking into my life at those times can cause me to lose perspective and to lose track of where I am and what I am there to do. We cannot isolate ourselves against discouragement, but I do believe that we can insulate ourselves and we can learn how to deal with it and overcome it. The fact is that when Nehemiah came to Jerusalem 
and he stirred up the heart of the people to rebuild the wall. It didn't seem to be a a difficult thing for him to get them involved and engaged. They readily began to move in the direction of rebuilding the wall. But rebuilding the wall took a lot of work and effort and Evidently, there was this consistent driving that went in because they finished it in 52 days. And you don't do something like that without there being a great amount of labor going into it. And so there is this drive and and, uh, this enthusiasm. And it doesn't matter how deep that passion is to do it When obstacles start showing up, it's amazing what happens to our mental perspective and to our determination to keep moving. And so it wasn't long until things started showing up. The enemy came and and there was all kinds of distractions that were thrown in their way and they became distraught over having to deal with all of these things and they became discouraged. They, they gave vent to their feelings and they started speaking uh, their fears out loud. And it took a man like Nehemiah to stand up and help gather their thoughts together and point them back in the right direction. And tonight, I don't know exactly why I feel compelled to talk to you about this But I do know that discouragement is a very real fact that we living for God are going to have to deal with. And and it's not, it's sometimes easy to fall into the hole. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how to get out of the hole. One thing I learned a long time ago, when you fall into a hole, quit digging. Quit making it worse. (laughs) When you find yourself in a place like that, you need to stop long enough to get your bearings and realize that this is not the end. This is just a diversion. Being discouraged is not a sin. (laughs) Just let me make that clear to you. It's not wrong for you to be discouraged. It is wrong when I allow myself to stay that way because that's where the danger is. Because when you allow that kind of thinking and that spirit to uh, invade your, your thought life, it is going to have destructive outcome. There's a difference between having discouragement and discouragement having you. And all of us are going to have discouragement at some point in life, but we need to know how to not allow it to become the possessor of my soul. When you lose that control, when you allow yourself to be given up, then nothing will be good. Nothing will be uh, possible. Nothing will seem uh, capable of being done. So we've got to learn how to deal with it. But before you can learn how to deal with it, you have to have some kind of understanding of where discouragement comes from. And if you go back to our text, and you read it carefully again, you will find there several things that that contributed to them being discouraged or them losing heart. And one of them is something that we are all familiar with, 
but I would say it's probably the greatest driver of discouragement that I know of, and that is just fatigue. That's when you wear down and you are tired and the strength, the scripture says, the strength of the laborer is gone. They had worked so hard and so long that they had not counted into the equation the fact that they were human. Look at your neighbor and say, I just need to remind you that you are human. You do have weaknesses. You you do have inconsistencies in your life. That's not a mark against you. That's just understanding that God didn't make you or me to be Superman or Superwoman. Amen. And so we get tired. We're worn out. We're physically exhausted. And then once we become physically exhausted, the next thing that kips in is we become mentally exhausted. Our, our thoughts are confused and we don't know what our priorities are and we can't see the picture clearly. And if we're not careful, if we don't know how to stem that tide, then the next thing that happens is we become spiritually exhausted and we're ready to give up. It's, it is hard to be spiritually up when you are physically down. So it is important that you and I learn how to take care of ourselves. And you say, Brother Hughes, you need to listen to yourself. Well, I'm trying to tonight. But everybody in this building has limits to what you can do. And learning that you you have to learn how to operate within those limits. Fatigue, according to Vince Lombardi, would make a coward out of all of us. When you get weary and tired, and they were at that halfway place where they were too far in it to see where they started, and they were too far away from the end to see the conclusion of the matter, and they began to lose heart. They began to lose their focus. They began to lose their purpose and their energy waned. And it was because they had become worn down physically. And so Nehemiah had to find a way to deal with that. But another thing that caused them great trouble was that they were dealing with a sense of frustration. The strength is going out of us. There is so much rubble and so much trash for us to deal with. You know, it's amazing how you can be inspired to do something to change your life. And then when you get into the middle of it, you find out there's just so much trash you got to deal with. There's so much garbage and rubbish that you've got to overcome. And this began to wear them down because everywhere you turn, there's more trash. You pick up this pile of trash and you deal with it and you turn around and there's another, there, there's another pile of rubble over here. And if we're not careful, we can get frustrated in our spirit and we grow frustrated because we lose our vision for what we were doing in the first place. We lose sight of what it was that brought us to this point to begin with. And when we lose sight of our purpose and our goal, we will be vulnerable to discouragement. And that's what happened to them. They became frustrated. When you start looking around and all you see is rubbish and more rubbish, when all you see are problems and more problems, it's a good indication you need a renewing in your spirit. Amen. 
I'm telling you, it's a good indication you need to get back to a place where you can get your spirit renewed. When we lose sight of what's important, what is important, it was the rebuilding of the wall. What got in the way of the rebuilding of the wall, it was all the junk they had to deal with in the process. Hear me tonight, church. There is nothing easy about rebuilding. There's nothing easy about having a life filled with purpose. If you think you're going to have that without opposition, friend, I I, I have a sad news for you tonight. You're not going to attain anything in the spirit realm without there being something that's going to come up against you. And what you must learn to do is keep your sense of perspective even in the midst of your trouble. Don't lose sight of what you're there for. Amen. When you lose sight of what's most important and you let this junk start consuming your mind and that's all you talk about are your troubles and what is against you and what's not working for us and and this is against me and that's against me and nobody's giving me a chance and nobody's giving me a, a fair opportunity. When that's all that our mind is consumed with, we are in danger of falling prey to this, this disastrous disease of discouragement. So make sure that you understand how important your perspective is. The third thing is that they begin to sense, I guess you would call it failure because they were not accomplishing their goal as quickly as they thought. Perhaps it wasn't going as easy as they thought it was. Perhaps there was more opposition than they thought. I have no idea what was going through their mind. I just know at some point in this whole venture, they allowed a sense of failure to creep in that began to sap away their confidence. They weren't so sure of themselves now. They weren't so convinced that this was the right thing to do. And they began second-guessing themselves of whether they had done the right thing. You know, you can let a preacher get you all wound up and you step out and then all of a sudden you're just out. Am, Am I telling you the truth tonight? How many of us have been, we've been inspired in a service to step out in faith and then the next thing we know we're all out there by ourselves, and we're thinking, who did this? How did I get here? And we start grappling with our own senses of insecurity and our own inabilities. And we wonder, can I finish this? Can I really do this? Can I, can I accomplish this task that's before me? And when we lose our confidence, it's not long until we begin to cave in to the pressures that are around us. And setbacks have a way of eroding your resolve. And hear me tonight, you're not going to make progress with God without a few setbacks. Amen. You're not going to do it. When we lose our motivation, when we lose that emphasis to go forward, then the grasshopper becomes a burden. Everything becomes an issue. When we become focused on what we can't do. Amen. When we become so obsessed with our inability. Well, I overestimated myself. I, maybe I, I, I overestimated my 
faith. No, you didn't overestimate your faith, but there is a point in time when your flesh is going to call it into question and your enemy, the devil, is going to call it into question. And you've got to have enough confidence in God to know that he wouldn't bring me to this place for me to fail and he didn't bring here to let me down. He didn't inspire me to do this so he could get me out on a limb and then cut that limb off. Amen. We become overwhelmed with the emptiness of our apparent failures and our efforts are not accomplishing all that we thought. How many times have people begun something and about halfway through they're, they're looking at themselves and, and, and they're saying, you know what? I, I don't even know what I was thinking when I did this. I, I don't even know what was in my mind when I thought I don't know what made me think I could do this. I don't know what made me think. What, what is that all about? It is about that undermining of our confidence. And when, if he can steal your confidence, if he can steal that, that spirit that is within you that says you can, God made you to overcome. God made you to triumph, not to be the victim, but the victor. Then he is moving you in a direction where he can do whatever he wants to do in your life. When things don't go as planned, sometimes we don't meet our goal. We don't accomplish what we started out to. If we're not careful, we begin to feel like we have failed. I want to tell you something that you don't believe maybe perhaps tonight, but you need to believe that sometimes the victory is in just showing up. Amen. You don't have to talk in tongues. You don't have to see visions. You don't have to feel goosebumps. Just the simple fact that you made it back to the house of God, that you made it back to a place of worship, just the fact that you showed up in spite of everything that hell has thrown against you, that in itself many times is victory. And we need to celebrate the fact that we're here. Amen. Of all the places I could be, I am not. I am here. And by the grace of God, I'm going to keep standing. And what happens is when we don't, when things don't go as planned, there, there's several things that can happen. We, we start feeling sorry for ourselves, Or if we don't do that, we blame somebody else for luring us into doing this. Or we complain. Amen. We complain. And none of those have a desirable outcome. Because you're where you are, where you are, because God has brought you to this place. The fourth thing that they grappled with was fear. They they lost a sense of security. There were enemies all around them, and this insecurity was a source of their discouragement. They became more conscious of their enemy than they were of the God who was with them. They became more cognizant of those that were opposing them than what was for them. And fear comes creeping in when we start listening to the wrong voices. Listen to what the scripture says. Go back to Nehemiah chapter four and look at what the scripture says. 
He said, we heard, and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are unable to build the wall. And our adversary said, I don't know if the adversary really said that or if they just thought the adversary said it. The adversary may have, may have said it. It, it, it it's not, the point is, when you allow your mind to entertain wrong voices, wrong thoughts in your mind, you are putting yourself at a disadvantage. They had let their sense of security, the fact that God was with them. For Nehemiah to even be there and have the favor that he had and to have the letters that he had had to be a God thing. He was not there by himself. He was there because God had orchestrated him being there. And now all of a sudden they've lost sight of that and they're listening to these voices that are all around them saying, you're not going to do that. Who, who, who told you you could do that? You're not going to be able to build that. You're not going to be able to accomplish that. You and I need to be careful who we listen to. We need to be careful what we listen to for our fears will trick us into believing that we cannot do what God has called us to do. Amen. Praise God. So how do you deal with discouragement? Well, I think there's several things. If you read that chapter, you'll find one thing that he had to do is kind of regroup. That, that when, when they started the work, evidently, they were scattered in different places in the city building. And when this, when this arose, the Bible said he called them together and he put them together by family. And they started working together by family. There was a regrouping. Sometimes when you're dealing with discouragement, you just have to step back long enough that you can get a better perspective and begin to regroup and rearrange things so that you can go at it again with a greater fervency. He said, remember the Lord. Later on in the chapter, he said, remember the Lord. It is important that you refocus your attention not on your problems or not on your adversary or not on what is against you, but refocus your mind upon the Lord. You need to remember what God's done in your past. Amen. Do you understand why you're here tonight? You're here tonight because of the grace of God. If God could get you through that, surely he can get you through this. If God was through with us, he would have already taken us out of the picture. Amen. We need to remember that he is always with us. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. God is always there. We need to remember his promises. Amen. His promises are yea and amen. I believe the quickest antidote to discouragement is to get back into the word of God. Read Psalms 119 and 25. The answer to my discouragement is getting back in this book and reading what God has to say about me, not what the press may be saying about me or not what people on Facebook may be saying about me. Get back in the word. And then you have to fight. Everybody say fight. Amen. You got to have a fight. You, you've got to have something inside of you that said, no, I'm not giving in to that. I'm not going to lay down without a fight. But I, I think Psalms 34, and I'm, I'm going to try to bring this to a close. I think this probably most clearly defines 
what needs to happen if I'm going to push off discouragement. Psalms chapter 34 and verse 1, the Bible said this is a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. And this is the psalm that he sang. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If there is anything, and I go back to what I said earlier, if you and I are going to deal with discouragement, we are going to have to be careful what comes into our mouth and what comes out of our mouth. Amen. We're going to have to be careful what we speak. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. The best remedy that I know for dealing with discouragement is just to get into a great atmosphere of praise and worship because there's something about turning your attention to him that will help right this picture and help you understand what is really going on. It's when you get into that atmosphere of praise and worship that God can balance out the scales. Oh, God, help me tonight to tell you how clearly that needs to ring in our minds and spirit. That if you want to know how to overcome it, get into an atmosphere of praise and begin to magnify and exalt the Lord. And watch what happens in your spirit and watch what happens in your life. Amen. Praise God. He said, magnify the Lord with me. I've always loved this statement because I know this. You cannot make God bigger than he is. You cannot enlarge God. He is, he's big, <laughs> bigger than big. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's, he's all of that and more. You cannot increase omnipotence, but you can magnify your perspective of his magnificence. You can magnify his glory to where you see more of him than you do of your enemy. You see more of him than what is against you. You can magnify your perspective of him and you can do that, as I mentioned, through your praise and your worship. It can change the whole tone of your life. I want to tell you something. I have never, never seen anybody defeated that learned the secret to praise and worship. I'm not saying they don't get knocked down. I'm not saying they don't fail. I'm not saying they don't come short. I'm just saying the devil cannot keep a man down that has learned how to praise God, that has learned how to praise him no matter what's going on. I will bless the Lord at all times, whether it's good or bad, whether it's raining or sunshine, whether it's sleet or snow. I don't care what the circumstances are. I have learned that if I can praise God, God will make a way for me to get out of this thing I'm in and he will help me finish what I have started in my life. 
Amen. Praise God. You need to learn again how to praise him in spite of all of the pain and the hurt and the heartbreak and the disappointment. Praise him and worship him because of who he is and get a fresh perspective of him. Amen. I want to see him high and lifted up and his train fill the temple. Amen. That train that was mentioned there in Isaiah spoke of the victories that the king had won in battle. And it was common in, from according to historians that they would, they would sow or they would somehow connect all of those different trains that they had taken from different rulers that they had defeated and they would attach them to their own train so that when he came in, they could see this is a man who's won a lot of victories. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw a train that filled the temple. God had won so many battles. He had done so many great things that all he could see was God. You know what would help some of us right now? If all we could see was just God. God is greater than my problem. God is greater than my difficulties. God is greater than my pain. God is greater than anything else in my life. And when he gets, when he gets that big in your life, something powerful is going to happen. You're going to be transported into a new dimension of relationship with him. Isaiah was, and you will too. Amen. Look unto him. My vision will direct my path. You know, it's amazing. You're going to tend to walk in the direction of which you're looking. I know that's deep. But I've never seen anybody make progress looking backward and trying to go forward. You ever seen anybody try to do that? You talk about a drunk person. They'd give a drunk person a run for their money. You've got to turn your eyes toward what you're pursuing. And sometimes when discouragement creeps in and we feel like giving up or we feel like we're a failure or we're not making any difference, I don't even know why I'm here, I don't know why I do what I do, when that starts creeping in, it's so important for us to turn our eyes in the right direction. Amen. And fourth, we need to know how to use what we have. In the psalmist, he said, in Psalm 34, he said, This poor man cried. I love that statement because that pretty well defines the way I feel sometimes. This poor man. But as poor as he was, he opened his mouth and he cried out to the Lord. Amen. You need to learn how to use what you have. Weak as it might seem, as insignificant and frail as it may be, use it anyway. Open your mouth and speak. Something powerful happens when you do that. And he said, oh, if I can just open my mouth, this poor man cried. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. It's amazing what God can do when you just open your mouth and call on him. It's amazing what God can transform when we just open our mouth and begin to cry out to him. Sometimes it's not in praise. It's just a spirit of desperation. But when you cry, it's like Peter 
who came walking to him on the water in that moment when he lost sight of what had called him to that place, when he lost sight of the one who had invited him to this supernatural walk. He lost sight of that and the scripture said he began to see the waves boisterous and he began to sink. I am so thankful that Peter's instinct what was to do one thing. The Bible said he cried out, save me! <laughs> save me! You know, if that would have been us, dealing with Peter, we would have said, you know what? You deserve exactly what you got. But not the Lord. Those words had no quicker gotten out of his mouth than the hand of the Lord reached out and got a hold of him and pulled him out of that water. Put him back on top of what was taking him under. Amen. It's what happens when you use your voice. As weak as it may seem, it's just a cry. But I will tell you something even better than that. The scripture says he hears the sigh. Sometimes you're so beat down and sometimes you're so beat up that you can't even open your mouth and speak words. All you can do is sigh. But the scripture says that he hears that sigh and he will come. He will be there where you are. That's amazing. So use what you've got. You say, well, I don't think I have very much. Use it anyway. Because God's a specialist at taking nothing and making something out of it. Amen. He did it with this world that you're living in right now. Out of nothing. Just his word. He speaks and it's there. Amen. The same God that was able to do that is able to do whatever I need to keep me on my feet. Amen but I've got to learn how to utilize the tools that God's given me to be that overcomer. Open your mouth and cry out, I need you. Amen. Open your mouth and praise him. You cannot stay discouraged and praise him. Amen. I, I just, I want to say it, and I know somebody's going to think, oh, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I've never seen a worshiper that could be kept in a discouraged state. I'm not saying they don't taste of it, but they don't taste of it long. Amen. They learn very quickly. That's not something I want to drink from. I found a fountain that's rich and deep and pure, and that's the praise of my almighty God. And when I begin to praise him, and when I begin to exalt him, it's amazing how that can change my perspective. And all my problems seem to fade in the background when I realize his omnipotence and his omniscience. And I realize that God is for me. He's not against me. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid of? When my enemies come in, the Lord lifts up a standard. Amen. Aren't you thankful that there's one you serve tonight that's greater than anything you're going through right now. Discouragement, you're not going to find a lodging place in my house because I found the key to overcoming even the most discouraging of circumstances. Praise God. Would you do me a favor and just 
reach over and take somebody by the hand that's near you if you can. And I want you to pray for them right now. God, you know exactly what they're going through. You know where we are tonight. You know what we battled this week. You know the war of the mind that has gone on. You know the thoughts that have come into our spirit. You know, Lord, the insecurities that we have wrestled with. And you know the fears that have hounded us. Lord, you know our frustration at, at things not working the way we want them to work. And they're not going the way we wanted them to go. And God, you see all of the rubbish that we're dealing with. You see all the trouble and the problems that we're having to face today, God. I'm just asking you tonight, God, to help give us a perspective. Give us a sense of perspective. Help us to lift our eyes unto the hills and to look beyond even the hills unto the place that our strength and our help comes from. It comes from you, Lord. Beyond our trouble, beyond our problems, beyond our pain, beyond our discouraging circumstances is a God who is ready and able to help us and lift us and keep us and protect us. Oh, thank you tonight, God, for the spirit that has come to lift me up. Thank you, God, to remi for reminding me that I need to learn how to use my voice. I need to learn how to use my words, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. When my granddaughter was a little toddler, she got unhappy one time and she was whining and you know how they do, carrying on like this was the end of life. And I will, I'll never forget, I think my wife may have said something to her. We couldn't figure out what was wrong, why she was whining. Finally, somebody spoke up and said, use your words. And that stuck in her mind. And so now when you're going through life and something comes up and, and, and you don't know how to deal with it, it's not uncommon for her to say, use your words. You and I need to learn that tonight. Use your word. Learn how to use what God has given you to redirect your attention and dig you up out of that pit of despair. Amen. I'm thankful that Nehemiah was able to help some people get back on their feet and finish the job that they had been called to do. I want God to do that for us tonight. Amen. Overcomers, praise God. Father, we love you tonight. We're grateful for your blessings. Lord, I know that I am an inadequate vessel, but your word is so powerful that even through an inadequate vessel, you are able to speak a message of truth. And I pray that it goes home to the heart tonight of every soul in this building. If they're not dealing with discouragement tonight, they will at some time in their life. I pray that they will remember the word of the Lord. I pray that they will not forget the Psalms that teach us how to get things in perspective and how to regain our perspective and to point us in the right direction and keep us moving toward what you have called us to do. 
I pray, God, tonight your blessings on everyone here in this place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Would you just lift your voice with me right now and let's just praise him together. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you tonight. We praise you tonight.